do, 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 do. Here we go. This is Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 620. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, uh, we're going to talk about difficult conversations or tough mm-hmm. conversations and a few, I guess, different examples of that. You're going to play a clip from the Brene Brown podcast, mm-hmm. and then we're going to pull up a question from one of our Team Zen members. Uh, they asked a question, and we had some technical glitches, so we're actually going to answer it on this podcast. And the reason we're going to do that is because it falls into line with what it is that we're talking about. Isn't there a Dave Matthews song? No, that's that's typical situation. These typical situations in these thinking, typical times. I thinking it was difficult conversations. Well, maybe that's the next song that we want to write, sweetie. <laughs> but I think it's typical situation. I think you're right. Um, and I wanted to talk about difficult conversations because, like you said, I was listening to the Brene Brown um podcast last week. It was Unlocking Us. Um, she had on Esther Perel. And then this morning I was listening to Dax on Armchair Expert talk to Drew Barrymore. And they were also talking about difficult conversations or just communication when it comes to partnership or parenting. And and Dave Matthews, too. What do you think Dave Matthews thinks? This is off of Live at Luther College, which is a CD that I listened to over and over again for Dude, about two years. in your car for years. I think that was, think that was a Nissan Maxima. Yes. They haven't said the line yet, though. Is it coming up or did I miss it? I don't know. The difficult conversations (laughs) in these difficult times. We missed it. It's Um, okay. It missed its moment. So real quick, uh, I am co-facilitating a workshop with Dr. Alexander Solomon tomorrow night for Men Living. If you're a guy out there, the name of the uh, workshop is, give me a second... Not tonight. Sexual challenges and opportunities in long-term relationships. So if you're a first-timer to Men Living, it's free. So uh, the link to this uh, evening's events, it's tomorrow night, Wednesday, uh, September 29th. 29th. Yeah. Uh, just click on the link and sign up. Hope to hope to see you there. Who's brave enough to have these difficult conversations? That's what I was going to say. Talk about a difficult conversation. Like for men who are like, oh, I don't have time to show up to that. I would question how, how you do it. Yeah. How's your sex life? I'm going? sure everything is just fine for all of us. And maybe, and for some people it is like, yeah. I don't deny that that is the case, but there are, you know, there are couples that because Todd and I talk to couples all the time that we know that that can be a big challenge. And then when there's an opportunity, um, like this one where you can actually talk with a, an expert about relationships and, and even if it's just to normalize some things for you Mm. or to give you a different perspective or to take it out of the place where it becomes shameful or guilt ridden and where you just realize there's all sorts of things you can do. Um, so join Men Living and Dr. Alexandra Solomon. Do you want to hear a few of the things that I um, threw out to Dr. Solomon that I think might be interesting? Okay, let's hear it. Difference between sexuality and intimacy, anatomy, porn, premature ejaculation, importance of consent. How does one rekindle love? 
that we have since lost, infidelity. Yeah. It's pretty deep. Who's it, who's brave enough? Because we don't, as guys, have these conversations with other guys. So I is, think that this is the invitation. It is. And, you know, I um, walked in when you and um, Allie were talking about what you were going to discuss. And we and I kind of joined the conversation because it was on Zoom. So I was like, oh, I want to talk about this, too. And I think one of the big pieces, and you mentioned it, is this porn culture and men believing or or getting connected to things that aren't really um, about in creating intimacy. Right. Like they are, they're like, it's a movie yeah. and it's like choreographed yeah. and it's looking a certain way for a certain reason. And, and men try to replicate that. Yep. And that's not creating intimacy right. because you're forgetting about the person that you're with. For sure. So, um, if you're brave enough to step into that space, I would love to see you there. So, um, if you're there, most of our listenership are females. So if females, if there's a male in your life that you think might uh, get something out of this, just uh, forward them the link. So is it only for people in men living? Is this one no, of no. those? No, no, it's for anybody. Oh, well then as everybody. Long as you, no, no, as long as you identify as a man. So this as is not a speaker okay. series. Okay. This is a workshop because we're going to do it. like breakout rooms and things like got that. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, so. So anyways, um, so let's talk about difficult conversations. Yeah, so I, I wanted to discuss the fact that um, I'll, I'll start with the first podcast I was listening to this morning, uh, Drew Barrymore talking to... Um, Dax Shepard on Armchair Expert, and Monica, of course. Um, I thought, first of all, we, we have kind of a Drew Barrymore thing going on in our family right now because my youngest daughter, who just turned 14, loves her now. We watch all of her movies, and she just thinks she's terrific. What three movies have you most recently watched? The, the ones she loves the most are The Wedding Singer, 51st States, so those are both Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore, and then Fever Pitch, which we watched again the other night. Sweetie, why can't you be more like Harold? Harold would never beat up his landlord. (laughs) (laughs) So all of them are very 90s. They're very... uh, We love them. I'm not even going to try and talk talk about it in any other way. We love them. So it was fun to listen to her talk um, about her life. But one of the things they were discussing was the fact that she was talking about her challenges with relationships and the fact that couples never talk about how much work – and I don't like that word anymore, Todd. We need a better word – how – many difficult conversations healthy couples have to have and how we've gotten... Which makes them healthy. Right. We've gotten this mixed up where we're like, if I have to have a difficult conversation with my partner, that there's this belief that that means something's wrong inherently with the relationship. So we avoid that difficult conversations because we want to pretend or we want to jump over or we just want to suck up or whatever. Or we just want to hope that things get better. Right. And so we don't have the difficult conversation versus having a difficult conversation and realizing that that's what then creates intimacy. Now, when I say difficult conversation, I mean say shuns because it happens again and again and again. And oftentimes it's about the same stuff, but it's showing up in a different way or you it's about the same uh, challenges that we have internally. Like I, I will say that I have kind of this um, certain running tape of fears or anxieties or concerns or whatever they may be, and they show up differently in different situations where I need to voice them because that's how I view them differently. Mm-hmm. That's how I actually call them out. Yeah. That's how I that's how I actually say this is how I'm feeling or this is what this looks like to me. Like for me, 
I think my greatest challenges are feeling like I'm not being heard or feeling like I'm being taken advantage of and someone's not recognizing the work I'm doing. Um, and what else, Todd? What well, are my other and challenges? when you say someone, uh, we had a difficult conversation last night and it's because I sometimes do take you for granted and that this is something... Like you said, like part of me is like, oh, can't we get past this part of our challenges and the likelihood of that happening? I would love for that to happen, but it does show up. And for some couples, it shows up every week. Other couples, it shows up every month. Other couples, it shows up every year or every day or everywhere in between. I think what we're talking about is, are we both willing to step into difficult conversations? And it it ain't easy. Yeah. and, and And I think that... There's so much in the difficult conversation, the reasons why we get into it or don't, what comes up during and what can happen to shift our awareness after. And I'll give, you know, so I don't speak too generally here. So I went into a difficult conversation with Todd about um, that I felt like I had been, he had been gone for a few days for work and then he had um, a family thing and then he had a social thing and they all were in a row, like four or five days in a row. And he, all of them were important. Every single one, every single moment had a sense of importance attached to it. And I knew that. My butt to Todd always is, it goes on too long. Like if you're going to be gone for three days already, maybe don't make a social event that same night. Don't. It, and even though you can val- you can say to me, all these things are important. Yeah, you can look at each one in a vacuum and be like, oh, okay, all I get important. it. All important, exactly. But the thing is, is I am not doing what I deem to be, well, my most important thing is being um, with my family and making sure everybody's covered and, and supported and taken care of and all that. So I am doing the most important thing, but I'm not doing the other things in my life that, you know, if it be my work or, you know, having coffee with someone or going to see my mom or because you're doing your important thing. Yeah, and I guess I'll just kind of maybe help clarify there, there is typically an imbalance yeah. of invisible labor uh-huh. in our relationship. And I think both of us have come to terms with that, generally speaking. Yeah. The problem is when the imbalance gets so great and so far. And I also want to say, I have a buddy. So this is not a male-female thing. I have a buddy, I'm not going to say his name, where he carries almost all the emotional labor sure. and invisible labor. But I will say, most of the time, it's the women in the relationship that carry more. Yeah, to we try not to be so gender specific because we know that all genders have a different experience depending on the, the partnership you're in. So it's really more, even though it traditionally, mm. let's use that word, traditionally falls female tends to have more um, emotional labor just because of the cultural norms. Yep. If it be the way we're raised and then the society we live in, it just, it, it, bends that way, even though we know that there are other situations that are different. Um, So anyway, were you going to say something more about that or do you want me to No, I just wanted to make that clarification. Okay. So the reason why it's important is that every time Todd and I have this discussion, something new comes out of it. And that's, I think, the thing where a lot of people, um, doesn't matter your gender, will say, well, I don't want to have this conversation because it's hard and it's difficult or we've had it before and we shouldn't have to have it again. Yep. When people when people say that, like, well, I shouldn't have we to should say be this past again. This. I'm like, what, who told you that? Who told you that you would have one conversation about something and clear things up? When well, you and I have been married 19 years and as much as I would love to say, yeah, we're past that, as of this moment, we're not. And the thing is, is how do we... 
um, repair when there's a break. So anyways. Well, and you know, do we even need to look at it as something we need to get past? Or is it something that we are paying attention to that then this isn't the only thing like in a, in a marriage or in a partnership, there's so many things you have to pay attention to. And when you're putting your attention on the most important things, which are the people you love, you're going to see areas that you're like, wait, I'm feeling resentful here, Mm -hmm. or I'm feeling unseen here, or I'm feeling like there's some, because what I realized last night, Todd, about our conversation, um, that we've had so many times is that I kind of have always gone into those things thinking, I, this is just me. I need these things. Do you see these things about, I kind of went into it thinking that it was a very individual experience and that you're having the normal experience and I'm having the abnormal experience. Mm -hmm. I mean, which is a conditioning, right? You know, there is a conditioning of women where it's like, we are the ones who are being neurotic Mm -hmm. or we're the ones being overdramatic. And the awareness I had last night was, I don't think I'm the one who's, and I don't mean this inherently means then you're wrong all the time, but I don't think my asks are that crazy. Like when I look at it and I'm like, you look at it objectively. I look at it objectively. I'm like, no, no, this makes complete sense. Why I, you know, have been with my girls or doing the the work at home and taking care of people and you've been gone three days and then you're like, I'm going to go out socially the next night that I would go, wait a second. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't seem like a big ask. And you totally got this. Mm-hmm. Like you were like, you're right. I, well, you, you didn't say you're right. You were just like, I see what you see. Mm-hmm. And I think why this experience last night was such a good one for me is I had... I finally, after, you know, how many years of us having these discussions where I had the awareness of, no, these aren't big asks. Right. Because in a partnership, there is no reason to believe that I should be always the front line of defense. Yeah. Because if that's your belief, and if you're like, I can come and go as I please, but Kathy will be here unless she makes grand plans to leave and make sure everybody's okay, then we're going back to the way things were when our kids were babies. Yeah, I think we're right because we've we've done these podcasts many times and we keep learning about each other and new things. And you could probably just go do a search for Zen Parenting Radio, Invisible Labor, Emotional Labor, and you'll hear a similar thing. Where I think I want to focus is whomever the person is that is carrying more of it I want to focus on that to to invite those people to empower them. And in this case, it's you and you have the strength to do it. But I judge that most people don't is they kick the can down the road. They hope that it's going to get better without dealing with it. And I feel like that's something special about our relationship. Now, unfortunately, you're the one that usually has to bring up these difficult conversations because I'm too averse to conflict and that's an excuse. And I know that's in a, from a very disempowered place. But what I'm hoping to focus on is if you find yourself that, that person in the relationship where you get really frustrated, but you don't say anything, that's where I want to focus this yeah. conversation. Well, let's just start by saying a difficult conversation is important. Mm -hmm. So for those of you that's like, it's too hard, or I don't know which way it's going to go, or it might bust open, or it'll open, you know, women will always say to me, it'll open a whole can of worms. I'm like, open it. And or what? Like, if you don't do it, then continue to be resentful. Right. And suppress all these feelings. And maybe like, use the can opener slowly. So you're not like taking the (laughs) whole, all the worms at once, but... I guess I'll just repeat what you said or what, Mm -hmm. then you're resentful. Then you're like, my partner's not really my partner. Then you, you, 
you know, get digs in on your on your spouse all the time or your partner where you're saying negative things about them in front of other people or you are not getting the comfort you need from the person you live with or you feel detached, like that's worse mm-hmm. to me yeah. at least. And that's actually what something, and this is relevant, Todd, but about you and I is one thing that I realized is that if I feel like Todd's not available for whatever reason, even if it's work reasons and things that he has to do, um, I sometimes have to kind of disconnect from him a little bit because I know I'm not going to get from him what I need. So I have to use all my energy to do all the things at home then. It's like a, it's not a disconnection to to be punishing. It's not a disconnection to like teach you a lesson. It's okay, you're not here, so I'm going to do all the things and I'm just not going to pay it's attention. It's like a self-preservation. It's thing. self-preservation. And, and and even that, that realization gave me back some of my like, okay, Kathy, like that's actually a good coping strategy. The only problem is you've got to then reconnect. Yeah. You know, you can't be like... Yeah, and I made these... Um... I don't know if this works, sophomoric attempts to re-engage. <laughs> yeah. And I did, but it was, I don't want to say it was half-assed, but I tried to re-engage with you over the last few days, and you um, were not in a place to be receptive over the way I was doing it. So there's two things here. One is, in a perfect world, if the person who's frustrated brings up a difficult conversation, if they can do it from a place of love and compassion and empathy, great. Most of the time that doesn't happen because they're already frustrated and angry. So if and when your partner starts coming, uh, bringing up these difficult conversations, I can only speak for myself. My reaction is defensiveness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but what about this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I already did this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but we didn't have this problem last time. So my invitation is if you find yourself on the receiving end of the initiation of a difficult conversation, what I did last night, and I didn't do it perfectly, was to breathe and to know, to give space for the person I love to be reactive and to, and, and it's not like you were like no, mean at all, no. but to vent a little bit. And it's hard to, to, to be on the receiving end of that, but if you can keep your eye on the ball and, and the ball is, can we have a healthy relationship? We can create the space for some of this this difficultness. Yeah. Like, let me just use this kind of language. If you come to your partner and you say, I'm having this experience and they come back and say, well, you shouldn't be having this experience. Have my experience. Mm. That is inherently not, uh, uh, that that's not going to work. Yeah. And this is kind of one of these, this podcast episode is a good one to listen to with your partner. So you can have this discussion Whereas what Todd is saying is that his initial response is always defensiveness because that's a natural reaction. Yeah, that's the way our brain is wired. Exactly. And I know that. And I know that here's the key to having a lot of difficult conversations in a marriage. You trust the whole process. Mm -hmm. I don't get scared anymore bringing up hard conversations. I don't like it. Nobody likes it. Um, But I don't get frightened. And and I will say I do get frightened and I get, um, what was the other word I was going to use? I get frightened and it's terribly uncomfortable for me. Sure. And it probably brings up some childhood stuff that I haven't quite unwound. Like I said, I have an aversion to conflict. And what's weird about these conflicts that 
Kathy and I are talking about right now, it actually, you know, when you break a bone and it and it mends back together, it does mend stronger, yeah. but it still hurt when the bone broke. Well, and we've had all sorts of conversations up to this one. Like if you guys were in the room when we were having this conversation, you'd be like, that's not really a big deal because mm-hmm. we don't yell. We don't mm-hmm. get really angry, but we do have difference of opinion. Sure. Like where I'm like, I am having this experience and he's like, I'm having this experience and... I'm like, don't you see me? And he's like, don't you see me? Like, we're just, we're trying to be seen. And I think the, there's a bunch of keys in these difficult conversations. Number one, if your goal is to go in and win, forget it. then you, it's not going to work. Meaning you can go in with your points, but you've got to leave space to hear their version of events. And it doesn't mean then your version is, is inconsequential or it doesn't matter because they, your version still matters, but it like leaves this room to be like, okay, I see that, or yeah, I understand. And, 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 you know, Todd's question always is after we have a difficult conversation is, okay, how can I do this differently? So it doesn't happen again. Or like, what'd you say this morning? You said, you said, okay, so basically the bottom line is I need to be more intuitive. Yeah. And it kind of made me laugh because that's... Which, and, and what I meant by that is, because no, like you said, so just real quick, what happened was I worked all day, all night, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then my brother came into town. I hung out with him, with Kathy and my daughter. And then on Saturday morning, I bailed for breakfast with my brother and my sister. And then that night I went to my 30-year high school reunion. And that was a lot to Everything ask important. Kathy yeah. to manage <clears throat> the household, the emotion of our daughters. And there was homecoming and there was a birthday. There's a bazillion there a things wedding. that Kathy yeah. was doing. Yeah. And um, my goal is to, I don't know where I was going with this, um, to assess how I'm doing. Oh, the intuition. I don't know. Cause Kathy was fine up until Saturday morning. And then it, the, the balance shifted way too far the other way. Right. And you know, this is from a reactive place. Like, yeah, but Kathy, I don't know where that line is. So just tell me where that line is <laughs> and I won't cross it. And, um, and then what you said is like, well, let's look at this objectively. I've been gone for four and a half days straight. Right. Do you really need to be that intuitive? Can't you just see this? And I think the answer is, if I were, then I would be, but I wasn't, and I was just trying to get away with as much as I could. Well, and that that sentence, that last sentence, I appreciate that, because getting away with, you're not trying to take advantage of me in a literal way, but you are, there's something that happens in your voice where I can tell there's, and I used this word last night, it's like a righteousness, like, well, I'm going to do this, mm-hmm. and I have a this, and I have a this. There's like an inflection in your voice where I can tell that you're going to do it yeah. and and we're going to have to talk about it later and I and I said to you many times I am not your mom yeah, asking permission or, to go out with right. my friends so when you're like I'm going to do this is this okay I'm not your mom I'm never going to be like no you can't go like and, that's not my job and if I could walk in your shoes your shoes would be like why are you even considering this ask? Because you've been gone for four days. And that's my thing is that Todd's point is well taken is that but I was fine, fine, fine with you being gone for work. I was more than fine with your brother being here. We enjoyed that. I was mo- I was fine with the morning. But then there was another ask after that. And why I said I get frustrated is I do do so well mm-hmm. with you being gone. You've been traveling since the day we got married. So I'm used to that. I can manage things. It's when there's this line where I'm like, I've been so good in taking care of things and, and you, that there's this sense of that you're just going to keep going rather than... You know, and so maybe there is some intuitiveness there, but there's also just like a well, and maybe intuitive might be too extreme of a word. Yeah. Like, just have a sense of what's going on. What's in the going house. on? 
But yeah, and I, I really feel the need because, um, you know, we get a lot of questions on Team Zen and I, in, in most of the cases, uh, it's usually the, the mothers in the relationship that just kind of keep kicking the can down the road and not having these conversations. Um, and I just, I just really want to zero in on let's, let's share our experience of the impact of not having these conversations. Yes. And you are talking, and like you said, most of the people who listen to the show are women, but also to talk to the men or, you know, it really doesn't matter the gender, the partner who's mm-hmm. receiving this information yeah. to recognize that this will get them to a healthier place. Mm-hmm is that if there is a challenge being brought up, shutting it down and saying you shouldn't feel that way or you don't appreciate me or just trying to like shut the whole thing down does not help your relationship. It breeds resentment. Correct. That's that's really what happens, right? Absolutely. And, and the partner will resent the other partner, yes. but the partner who's all pissed won't say anything, mm-hmm. hoping that the, part, the, the receiver just knows. Right. And sometimes we're not going to do anything until something happens. And if somebody keeps withholding, then it's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. And it's like a volcano. And it then is. it blows up. And then the resentment is so strong. And and this is sometimes, and you guys will go back five pod, five years ago and listen to a podcast where I've said the same thing, but people will say to me, well, you're lucky because you're married to Todd and and that makes all of this easy. And in some ways, you're right. Todd's a very kind man and he's a very connected man and, you know, and and he is a very loving person, but he's not, he originally was not great at these conversations. He didn't like come into the world. He still struggles. I'm still not. I'm better, but I got a long way to go. So when people are like, it's easy for you, I want to be very clear. It's not. And it's not easy for me to bring it up. Came from years of having difficult conversations. Yes. And so I, I sometimes I'm like, yeah, because I don't want to, if they're like, well, you're married to Todd. So it makes it easy. I I do find you to be so extraordinary that I'm like, yeah, you're right. But that's not, it, it's kind of like measuring pain where people are like, well, I had greater pain than you. So yours is easier. Well, and let's forget about Todd. It's about us. Right. And us, we have yeah. been, and I know, I think you said you didn't like the word work at yeah. relationship. I And Julie Duffy is like, I hate that word. I do too. And I love Julie Duffy, but I don't know another another word to use. So for today, I'm going to use work. Relationships is work. And what's work? uncomfortableness. Or what about attending to them? Like nurturing them? Like it's kind of coming from a more feminine perspective Mm -hmm. of like, I don't think to myself, well, now I got to go to work. I think to myself, this is the most important thing in my life, right? Mm -hmm. Is you and I and this home. And, and if I am resentful of you, that is top priority. Yeah. Even if I'm resentful of, of you for 12 hours or five hours or two days, I got to deal mm. with that mm. because if if weeks go by, if months go by, then all of a sudden we kind of forget and we move on. It gets, but stored. It gets stored somewhere where then we start to keep score. Yep. Like you did that to me before, you did, and we've never vocalized it. And then when we finally do, well, when you finally do, it's good no matter what because mm. it needs to happen. But you might get a little more like, why didn't you tell me? Mm-hmm. Like so many couples that I work with who are going through a divorce or have gone through a divorce or in their own mediation, that's always the big question is they'll say, why didn't you tell me? And the other partner will say, well, I tried. And and the person probably did try. Yes. But the other person wasn't receptive to it in that moment. Right. But it's... if. 
you get creative, try again. And it's a two-way street from both partners. But yeah, it, it, the, the, to throw your hands up saying, well, I tried that two years ago and it didn't work out, like there's some responsibility there too. Like you can't, if you're holding on to resentment for two years or two weeks or two months, it's not going to get better without dealing with it. Go to your therapist, talk about how you can bring up difficult things. Um, write a letter to your partner and give it to yeah. them so you don't have to say everything. Um, get couples therapy. Mm-hmm. You know, people who are like, ah, I don't want to go to couples therapy. What are you talking about? If if someone, if a partner is saying, I need help, help, why wouldn't you go? That, that is something, and maybe there's some circumstances that I can't think of, but for if if both partners value the relationship and one of them says, I think we need therapy... I don't understand why the other person would say no. I don't get that. Well, you probably do, but you're questioning it, which is they're afraid. They they think they're going to be called wrong. They think they'll have to change certain behaviors. Right. They they'll feel guilty. They'll feel shame. Like, they feel like a teacher's and you know getting them in trouble. Like yeah, I guess I do understand why, but keep your eye on the ball. Right. What's right. most important here? Somebody you love, and if you have kids with this person, like this relationship is the beacon of energy throughout the entire family. Yeah. And if these two people are broken or their relationship is is breaking, then what are the odds of that not impacting you know, the individuals and the kids. Yeah. Well, everybody can feel it and your friends can feel it. And, and, and that's called being human. Well, I think the reason why I'm bringing this up is not to say, Hey, everybody go fix things. I'm saying to you that Todd and I have difficult talks all the time and they're always uncomfortable and we always find a way through it to a point where we're laughing and understand each other better and and where we like you know i always love todd more after because i'm like wow this person like totally walked through this fire with me and they're all sorts of little fires mm-hmm. right instead of walking through a huge fire walk walk through little fires it's yeah. like what we talked about with mini meltdowns but even mini meltdowns I'm even though we talked about that, you know, yeah. earlier, I'm also questioning that because then it's all about my meltdown. Yeah. Like you're the one tolerating my meltdown. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like I'm the, you know, as as Glennon always talks about the canary in the coal mine, like I'm the one feeling something's not right. Yeah. And I bring it up and it's not Kathy's meltdown. Mm-hmm. It's Kathy's realizing there's a disconnect yeah. here. And and I'm open. It's an important distinction it what is. you just said. It is. Will you say it one more time? Because I think it bears repeating. Um, I don't know if I can do it exactly. Well, it just that instead of me always being the one who's having a meltdown and being viewed as maybe neurotic or needing more than the other, I'm the one who feels that there is something not right in and, the system. And as uncomfortable as it is, when, when you bring something up that's not working, although it's uncomfortable, it's a gift. For right, us for to work us. on something that is not working, right? And it shouldn't all be on you, right? And it, I should be also aware of when something's not connecting, and I can excuse myself. Oh, I'm just not as empathetic, or I'm more extroverted. And you're whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many different excuses I can make. Um, we have ten minutes left. Do I you want to play that clip? No, let's leave this okay. for another time, and then we were going to play something from Brene Brown's podcast, but instead. Let's answer this question that uh, someone on Team Zen gave us. Um, like Todd said, we tried to answer it during a Zen talk, and we kept our internet kept going out. So, if you're interested in Team Zen and getting questions like these answered, just uh, click on the link below these show notes. First month's free. Um, 
So here it is. My question for tomorrow's Zen talk, which we didn't get to, so that's why we're doing it now, is regarding teen sex. The background, we're raising three teenage boys, and per usual, my 14-year-old is challenging my mindset. He went to sleepaway camp this summer and met a 13-year-old girl. They're in love. The girl lives eight hours away from us, and they've been communicating communicating frequently via text and FaceTime, but no visits. Despite my challenges with my boy, we're pretty open with each other and I work hard to stay connected wherever he's at. This girl, who I've never met, says she hates her parents and hides things from them, including her her romance with my boy. Of course, I realize her parents could truly be unpleasant or they could be lovely. I have no idea. So here's the issue. Both teens and both teens are big readers, and my boy has slowly revealed to me that she's been sending him PDFs of romance novels that they both read and discuss. Initially, it sounded cute until I asked exactly the right questions to understand that these were adult romance novels, and they describe hardcore sex scenes. I'm half freaking out, and I'm half remember that I'm a cool, po- progressive, sex-positive parent, and half understanding that there's literally nothing I can do to stop this short of the nuclear option of taking away all electronics forever. She says, is that too many halves? I took a few days to process this with my husband and then had a brief talk with my son to make sure he feels safe and he's keeping her emotions safe. I'm comfortable talking openly about sexuality, consent, relationships, but I've kept it age appropriate and now realizing that my idea of age appropriate for the kiddo was totally off. My other boys had first girlfriends at 17 and that seems a world away from 14. So here's my question. Am I doing the right things? Do you have any suggestions on moving forward? Do I owe a phone call to her parents? What if they can figure out a way to visit each other? What then? My boy tells me, call me most every night that he wants me to drive her him to her house. Okay. So first of all, um, there's no like Todd and I aren't going to go. Here's so what do you do. This. Yeah. Why I liked this question and why I think it's important is I don't think she's alone um, in many of the the areas like as far as sex education, as far as talking about consent, as far as first relationship, as far as how involved to get or not involved. I think it's very common and a very uncomfortable. And it's another example of difficult conversation, right? The, the difficult conversations that Todd and I are able to have, we also have to allow those difficult conversations to happen with our girls, which she's going to do with her son. So the thing about sex education or about talking to our kids about these things is we there isn't like a book where it says at 14 they will be doing these things. Mm-hmm. It's different for all kids. Yeah. Like I was just having a conversation with a girlfriend this weekend about how in our generation at least, at least in small towns, things started way early, yeah. way early compared to this generation. So there is no absolute time. So basically what you're you, – you, Meet people where they are. And your son right now at 14 is showing up engaged in a relationship that he's really excited about. And the fact that you know the experience he's having with this romance novel, which is just giving them kind of a fantasy Mm -hmm. between the two of them. They're having these feelings for the first time. So there's nothing inherently wrong or bad. That's the first thing I would say. But this is the door open to say, um, you know, what are what are your thoughts with mm-hmm. her do you think this will be a long-term thing um how do you feel about getting these romance novels and do you know that they are fictional and since we're talking about fictional do you know what uh when you know since you're in a relationship do you know what consent means not just with sex or intercourse but with kissing it's like a doorway mm-hmm. and you're probably going to get in each conversation five minutes yeah like don't try and have 10 conversations in one sitting yeah 
It's like a five. So he's having his experience and you meet him there. So there is no right or wrong or it should be happening at 17 or why didn't it happen at 12? This is where he is. So did you want to say something to that? Well, a few things. One is um, I don't want to minimize this problem because I understand why she's concerned. But it's a PDF. Like there's so many other ways that this can go sideways than this. They're, They're... titillated by these fiction novels. I, I don't even know what they are, but... Well, and they're reading it and realizing what these people in the book are feeling. The first time you feel romantic or yeah. sexual feelings like that, you're like, that's what that is. Well, and I don't know how this falls into our discussion, but I remember my parents had... Do you remember Nancy Friday? Mm-mm. Okay, she... I, I just looked her up. She died in 2017. She was an American author who wrote on the topics of female sexuality and liberation, but it may have well have been, as far as I could tell, when I was that young you know, porn, yeah. I, not porn. I don't know. I don't know how to say um, it, but erotic novels, erotic novels. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I feel like this is a healthy way of, exp- you know, they're 14. So they've probably already started puberty, right? Yeah, for sure. And I feel like this is maybe not the most healthy way of experiencing it, but it's a hell of a lot healthier than some other ways people experience this stuff. Well, let's say it this way. It's not the way us as parents, we're like, if I had my say, mm-hmm. I would want them to date a person like this and mm-hmm. this is how long they'd wait for this and there'd always be like we of course have an idea of how we'd like it to be but it's not and so I think really the question she's asking because it was right in the middle is am I doing this right and I would say yes because you're asking these questions you're asking the questions and show up every day rather than saying what if he runs away with her or what if she runs away from home because there's a lot of kids that would say and I'm putting this in air quotes I hate my parents mm-hmm. and really they're talking with them every day and having dinner with them every night yeah. it's just a feeling of I have to I have to like uh, revolt against something. I have to push against something. I have to rebel. And and parents are those people that we push against, right? Yeah. So I wouldn't get too caught up in that. Um, and in le- the only reason I'd get in touch with her parents is if there was going to be a meetup sure. and you wanted to make sure that everything was on the up and up on both ends. But I think you just show up with them every day. And, and that's a great top... Talk about staying connected to your kid. Mm-hmm. It, you know, you don't have to get... Uh, um, over, you know, you don't have to like overwhelm him with questions, but just saying every day, whatever her name is, how is she doing? How are things? And, um, well, and like really not much harm can happen from eight hours away and they're just communicating on their phone. Like there's nobody can get pregnant right now. One more thing I'll say, yeah, far from the, from a distance, one more thing I'll say, because a lot of times things fall on the parents is like, teach them about consent, teach them about this, teach them this. Make sure your son knows that there's lots of people he can talk to. Mm-hmm. His older brothers, yeah. make sure your older that your older sons are in line with this. Make sure there's an uncle or your if he, you know, his dad or other men that can keep in touch with him too so you don't feel like this is on your plate. Like when my daughters are going through something, you guys, I reach out to my community mm-hmm. and I'm like, can somebody text you know, to the women in my life, can someone text, you know, JC about this because she's struggling with this? Or can someone text Cameron? Or I don't feel like I need to do it alone. And I'm the last be. line of defense. Right. That's for sure. I'm the one who gets everyone, you know, aware and, and brings them up to speed. But just you're fine and stay day by day. And we're thinking of you. And I know a lot of people can relate. There you go. And I know um, Todd's got to go. I do. Uh, so uh, if you want to join Team Zen, first month's free. Uh, just go to our website and there's uh, a link there. 
Um, I want to say thank you to Jeremy Kraft. He uh, is a painter and remodeler, and he does stuff all over the Chicagoland area. Um, his website is 630-956-1800, and the website is avidco.net. We will catch you all one week from today. Having difficult conversations. Having difficult conversations. Keep trucking, everybody. Have a good week. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And feel free to leave a five-star review. It helps people find us. The best part of what we do is getting to spend time with our listeners in an awesome community of parents who have come together over at Team Zen. Team Zen is a great opportunity to connect as much as you want with a group of like-minded parents, and you'll even get exclusive content from Kathy and me. Find out more about Team Zen on our site, zenparentingradio.com. We know your inbox needs more hopeful and helpful info, so sign up for the Zen Parenting Moment. Two times a week, you'll receive a quick read that will boost your day and improve your outlook. Sign up at zenparentingradio.com. While men and women, moms and dads, parents and non-parents are all welcome here at ZPR, we know most of our followers are female and moms. So today we're shouting out an opportunity that's just for the guys. Men Living creates opportunities for men to gather together to give and get support and build friendship. I am one of the founders of the group, and you'll find me every week helping facilitate our virtual meeting on Wednesday nights at 7.30. Interested or want to share the details with someone you love? You can find the Zoom link at menliving.org. Ready for a Gen X view of personal growth? Join us for Pop Culturing, our podcast filled with humor, fun, and a characteristic emphasis on self-awareness as we explore movies, TV, and pop culture. And don't forget, I coach guys. So if you're interested, head on over to toddadamscoaching.com and schedule a one-on-one session. First session is free. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty, and the company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidco.net or give him a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support, and keep on trucking.